Hey everyone, this is Surya. Welcome to another episode of A Voice for Love. And I'm really excited today to welcome my special guest, Siris Rivas. Welcome, Siris. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming. Can you can you please tell everyone a little bit about yourself for anyone who doesn't know you? Gosh, um, well, I'm the owner of a business called Empowering Light Language, LLC. And through my business, I provide different types of services, particularly infusing like energetic modalities into what I do with children, families, and individuals so that they can improve their communication, they can improve their self-care, and how they co-create and partner with their bodies. Wow, I love that. So I'm, I'm, I was really excited to meet you and we've had some nice chats already. But as you know, this podcast is called A Voice for Love. And um, I guess I just want to start with what we what we talked about the other day, which is something that we sort of both have, which is what I've always called like a, a voice intuitive, but how you're able to pick up so many different things from people's voices. So I, I would love for you to share a little about a bit about that. Was that something that you were always able to do? Or was that something that came after all of your training? Or like maybe a bit of both? I think a bit of both, honestly. My my family to this day references how I was always very talkative as a child and I was surrounded by all the adults. I was the first grandchild on both sides of the family. And so I was always around a lot of adults. They talked to me like I was an adult, even when I was a little kid. That helped me mature really quickly. But then on top of that, I got to pick up on all these other nuances that maybe other kids wouldn't have been exposed to at such a young age. And it it showed such a it really encouraged such a love of language and play and and my dad's a poet and a composer and so we would play with language that way and then I was first speaking Spanish and then I learned English after we moved to the United States and so I all these different life experiences helped me kind of play around with how sound and words and meaning and life experiences can intersect and and change your perspective on things. And so I was already leaning into that and having fun with it. And then I was an avid reader and loved all the words and just was like, mm, let me, what else can I learn? How many more words can I explore? Like there's certain words that even to this day, I just saying them, hearing them. And I'm like, Ooh, say that again. That's so good. <laughs> and so I, I love playing with languages and words and all kinds. And when I was dealing with a lot of health issues and I was almost about to die myself, a lot of my mentors and coaches at the time were employing these unique words that I hadn't heard of before and, and encouraging me to explore the energetics underneath the words, which is not something that anyone had ever suggested for me to look into. And as soon as I did, I was like, oh, I've been aware of this for way longer than I realized that these there are these other things that were underneath the words that were creating something. And so I started getting more training, like you mentioned, and all these different modalities. I still love learning from so many different people and, and perspectives around the world. And through that, I've really gotten to pick up on that voice intuitive piece that we talked about that we both share, where there are the things that people say, and then there's all these things underneath that maybe you whispering, that's whispering to you about, is it true? Is it a lie? Is it actually something that there's like a mixed match of what's congruent with what they're willing to receive and what they're not willing to receive. And so when you actually tap into that ability, you can both empower yourself and invite other people to be more empowered too. 
Mm. Yes, I love that. And it is, it is, it's so interesting what you said, you know, like what, what do people really mean? And that's part of what really listening is, right? And it's, it's more than just the sound, isn't it? It's like the, yes. the feeling and it's really tuning in. But I always find it interesting that we have this ability to kind of read between the lines. But I'm curious, and, and you mentioned this anyway, um, I'm curious how you find like being being bilingual and how do you find that like the two languages because I, I would say like Spanish is probably the language that I speak the best but I'm not fluent and I speak a bit of French because I'm Canadian but I find the translation between languages really interesting and I also find like the inflection and the the expressions in languaging different and so how do you like how do you find those two things because it's very it's funny how sometimes like even when you're listening to a language that you don't understand you can still have an understanding of what people are saying right and you can tell by their body language and by their um you know just even by their mannerisms or you you can just tell it's like i have no idea what they're saying like they could be speaking like czech right now for all i know but it's like oh i know like she's mad you know right yeah <laughs> so i'm curious how is that process like do you remember as a child like learning learning the new language and how how and does it still work like that for you like working in both languages well one of the things i don't remember as a child so much because at first, I actually lost my Spanish. It was my first language. And then when we went to the United States, there was so much messaging, both implicitly and explicitly, that I should not speak Spanish anymore by peers, by teachers at the time. I mean, this was, you know, multiple decades ago now. And it's the dialogue around this has changed somewhat. There's still more progress to go. But there was definitely a lot of prejudice and discrimination that I experienced that I think I internalized and it affected my proficiency in Spanish, lost it, and then had to relearn it around second grade when I was visiting my family in Puerto Rico and my cousins were speaking to me in Spanish and I was telling my mom, I was like, no, I can't understand what they're saying. And my mom was like, this is why we were trying to get you to speak Spanish still and you weren't wanting to do it. So then I rededicated myself to relearning it. And so I can speak to that a little bit more. And it was, it was bumpy because the, the overlap, it's like each, each language is like its own song. And I know this resonates with you as being a musician. Like what I, I love listening to Portuguese and Arabic and they're like music to me. And it's a, it's like when someone prefers like light rock versus folk versus R and B, it's like, they're all those different genres. And that's how language is for me. And as soon as I started seeing it that way, it was a lot easier for me to understand different languages, even if I wasn't necessarily trained or taught how to speak it. And I was really fortunate to work in a, in a school in Chicago right out of grad school when I was finishing my speech and language pathology degree and my learning disabilities master's degree. I was in a school that had 44 languages represented in the school. So awesome. And so I could understand a lot of what the people were saying, like you said, with the with the body language and their expressions and the intonation but also tapping into the music of their language and i was like oh and even in spanish there's different dialects of spanish as you know and so mexican spanish is more is a deeper is a slower pace than like afro-caribbean spanish which is what i grew up learning so as soon as i even hear somebody speaking spanish in like the grocery store i'm like there's is it tan ta tan ta tan Oh, that's more Puerto Rican and Cuban Spanish. Is it bam 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 bam? Okay, that's more Mexican Spanish. And then the same thing goes with Arabic or Portuguese. It's like the Portuguese will have that joa joa shang in there. So joa 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 joa, 
in there. And sometimes I hear that, but there has some of the grammar of, of, of French, which I also speak a little bit of in Spanish. I'm like, oh, that's Portuguese. But that has a commonality and overlap with the joie joie in like Cantonese, which is different than Mandarin. You know, so it's like they had those like those blends in the mouth and I can feel it and it helps me tap into the bodies of the person. And so when I started doing that, the music of each language led me to the bodies of each people and then their bodies would start speaking to me. So it really awakened my capacities with communicating with bodies beyond whatever the person is actually saying out of their mouth. Their bodies were more honest than the people. Wow. Of, well, of course, that's the thing. The body doesn't lie. And I'm like, of course, we have so many things in common because that, that, I have that too. So, like I've been a body worker for many years as well. I don't do as much anymore, but um, I notice even when I meet people, people, sometimes it's like, I feel like that too. I feel like my, their body is talking to me, but you're absolutely right. The body doesn't lie. And that's why muscle testing and kinesiology and all of this is so powerful. The body doesn't lie. We lie, <laughs> you know, our, our, like, I don't even know what to call it. Our consciousness lies or our, you know, our conscious awareness, you know, our, our mind lies. We make up stories in the way of lying, but that's. And it may not even be intentional. Like some people don't know what's true for them yet. So they don't realize that they're lying to you when they're saying it, that they might well know, well think that what they're saying is true until they go deeper, until they like explore what's going on until they like look at maybe the lies that they've bought from other people or the stories that they've created around a certain identity. And so that it's been such a gift because bodies are so beautiful and they can be our best friends if we let them. If we let them. And this is why it's so important for us to speak kindly to our bodies, because it's like our body. I remember when I had that realization one day and I realized, you know, how much negative self-talk that I'd engaged in over the over the years. And I was like, oh, my poor body, like my poor self, because we hear ourselves. Right. So that's why positive self-talk is important. And then also, of course, how we speak to others as well. But I love that you pointed that out about language, because I always notice like you know, like Japanese, Japanese is a very, you know, like this, you know, and like the girls, but then there's the guys that go, and they have that tone. And then, and it's the intonation, the chop, chop, chop. It's very syllabic. It's all in this, but it has that in common with, with Spanish. So one of the gifts of being a voice intuitive and loving languages and loving music and these, and how they intersect is you, it's such a beautiful, like, interpersonal lubricant and energetic lubricant to see how much more we have in common than we have different. Like as soon as I think of, of Spanish being syllabic, I think of Japanese being syllabic. I'm actually teaching myself Japanese right now. And it's been really fun to play around with that and see how, oh, I can use this part that is that works in Spanish that I know about to help me learn Japanese faster than maybe somebody else would. But if people think of it as separate things, that they're just, it makes it really clunky. It makes learning really clunky and connecting really clunky too. Yeah, I love that. And I always think that we should look for what you know what unites us rather than what separates us. So that's that's super interesting. And so then I'm curious with your like speech pathology work, like I'm, I'm guessing that your training was more like conventional, right? Like as far as conventional, but it sounds like you've sort of expanded on that. And so was that, how, how did that come about? Was that like, obviously it was like some kind of a process, but I would love to hear a little bit about that because I know like when I think of speech pathology, I think of it as being more just like, you know, like if I had a lisp or something and if I didn't know how to say a certain sound that you would help me learn how to make sounds correctly. But it sounds like that your your work is about much more than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right that I was trained 
in a very evidence-based traditional way. I got a dual master's degree and I was doing two master's degrees at the same time because I was very much a masochist at that time. And I also saw the writing on the wall and saw the overlap between learning disabilities and speech language pathology. There's that commonality of language, which you need language for learning and you need language for expression. Um, but after grad school and working in the public schools, there was so much social work and counseling involved with my job that I didn't anticipate. And there was a lot of families that were dealing with trauma. They were refugees in the school that I was working in. And uh, a lot of pieces that I couldn't really address in a traditional job. And on top of that, I was dealing with my own work-life, lack of work-life balance when I was first working. So I I started working in homes instead and doing early intervention, which is birth to three. And one of my families um, at the time, I kept my energy work and my therapeutic energy work on one side. And I was doing the speech language pathology and learning stuff on this side. I kept them very separate. It was not allowed for them to mix at all. And part of that was a fear on my end where I thought that no one would accept me and the legitimacy and feel like I was a professional if they knew of this woo-woo energy work stuff, even though it had completely changed my life and I wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for it. And then these moms, they would be making these beautiful progress with the kids that I was working with. And some of these moms would be like, I love this progress. They're doing really well. So grateful. Is there anything else I could do? That I have that we haven't done yet that could help me with my child and help my child progress faster. And I said, Well, tapped into the body, ask questions of my inner knowing. Because some people ask that, and I was like, they're not really gonna be open to this. And I just could perceive that. But for those that I perceived that it was a yes, not just a yes, but a yes, let's do it. I said, Well, I do this kind of weird, different stuff that is really, really effective. Would you like to try it out? Would you like me to talk about that? Like, yeah, let's do it. And I would give them therapeutic energy work. I would show them how I had been doing that indirectly, right? But they were there with their child and why that they were progressing so fast. And they're like, oh, that's why they behave better with you. Yep. And that's why they are saying this and they don't say it with me. Yep. And that's why I was, you're telling me to talk to their body and do this adjustments with their posture and like, look at their senses. And I was like, yep. <laughs> you know? So it was really the parents that I was working with that invited me to stop compartmentalizing and separating these things and really have it be a blending because that really was more congruent with who I am. I, I am all these different things. It's not energy work here and speech and language and learning here. And this, you know, it's just like, it's all together. And since then, People were asking for more things. They were asking for classes. They were asking for coaching beyond just the speech and language work. And a lot of that is self-care. The parents need it. And so they were like, I, you know, I feel really relaxed when you're around. What are you doing? And I was like, well, are you, is it really me? Like, am I, is it really, is it really me inviting this? Or is it your willingness to be in this different space with your body? And I just happened to like turn a little knob and then, or open a door and you're walking through it. Cause I can open all kinds of doors, but if you're not willing to walk through it, you don't get that relaxation. You don't get that ease. And they're like, oh, so I'm choosing this. I'm creating this. I was like, yeah, I just might be like creating a little platform, but like you get to choose it. And so the parents being more empowered would then help them facilitate their kids. And it would be people, these kids would make progress in my sessions that 
they weren't getting with after having years and years of other therapies with other people. And that's been really gratifying. Wow. That's amazing. And sounds like you're really good at what you do. I really care about it. I hope I'm doing, I'm good. I, from what I hear, I'm pretty good. Well, but even I, the people, even the people relax around you is a really good sign. You know, if you can make, if you, when people are around and you feel, you know, when people feel relaxed around you, that's a, that's always a good sign. It's funny, something that I learned, you probably know this already, but something that I learned recently was like that your stomach will start grumbling when you're relaxed. And so it's so funny because like, I don't know why I never knew this to now, or maybe I did, but I forgot. But now I know like sometimes I'll like be meditating and like all of a sudden my stomach's crawling, but I take it as a good sign, right? Because I'm like, okay. But again, it's it like the body. Space. Yes. It creates space, it creates relaxation. And then the stomach is like, Rrr, you know, but it goes back to that same thing. Like the body always knows. So, um, well, speaking of that, I know that, um, I think I told you that part of my guidance when I started this podcast was, you know, to share miracle stories from people. And I know that I mentioned this to you and then you were like, oh yeah, I got stories and I got goosebumps. So I would love to, whatever you, whatever you feel guided to share, because I just, um, I believe that the guidance on my end was like to, to, to have people share these miracle stories with, with others so that, you know, to boost our faith and our hope and to know that miracles are possible. You know, we know this, but sometimes people get stuck in, you know, in, in disbelief or they just don't know. So I would love for you to share whatever you feel guided to really about any of your miracle stories. Well, in the same vein as a, a, a family member, a mom that asked me to work with her child in a different way. Um, Gosh, a couple years ago now, this young man, he was a, a young black man in Georgia. And I say this because Georgia, as much as I love a lot about that state when I was living there, there are certainly certain racial politics there that are consideration in the school systems, in, in just society there in general and communities. And it definitely played into his journey with his communication skills. And so I I was fortunate enough to be asked to work with him after he'd been seen by about two or three other therapists in that same school year. He was at the, the last two years of his high school program. And uh, he, had, he has been diagnosed with severe autism. And because of his later age, they basically were giving up on him. They were like, he's not really gonna talk just roll with it. We're just going to like give him some functional communication skills, which sometimes is used as like a pat expression for, you know, whatever gets him to, to not be too angry, to not be too upset that he can express some of his needs. Maybe it's pointing, but they, we didn't really have any hope anymore for him to talk in complete sentences and to really have nuanced conversation. And I, I tapped into his body. I talked with his mom. I, she was super on board she was from the beginning very open to my non-traditional plus my traditional techniques. And um he is just such a lovely soul. And he, he is one of those those young people that even now he um can hear a song and immediately play it. Like he can just hear it from ear. And he would and and because I didn't judge him and didn't project at him, oh, you're only capable of this. I was like, let's just see what we can create together. I said, I said hi to his body every time I would talk to him and he would look at me more is a lot of people with autism, especially the way he had it, he wouldn't look at you right in the eye. But as soon as I was saying hi to his body in my head, he would look at me. It's like he perceived that we were really communing, you know, and 
he would grab my hand and he would want to hold my hand and, and stroke it and pet it. So that would be his reward to, if he did the certain work that would address his goals, he would get to hold my hand every once in a while. And what was he aware of? You know, what is it, was he picking up on that I was flowing energy to him, that I was saying whatever energy you need, kid, that if I can contribute to you, go for it. And I would just flow it and flow it. And I would talk to him with respect, with actually seeing him as a gift to the world, which I don't think he was getting before me, unfortunately, other than with his family. And then after just a couple of months of working, he was talking in complete sentences. He was, and this is after, he was only using one or two words at a time before then. And like I said, they had given up on him being able to do this. And I think that part of what happened is that they weren't communicating to him with love. They weren't communicating with him with kindness, with respect. They were just kind of doing things at him instead of with him and with his body. And the mom noticed a huge difference. She was, it gave her hope. It, Cause she had been working on stuff. She knew something else was possible and she just did, wasn't getting the right support to make it happen. And I think that's the key thing is a lot of parents out there, they know that faster, easier results are possible. They know that more is possible for their child and for their family. It's just like, how can I find it? And she kept asking him. So I'm so impressed with her. She didn't give up. And now her child is talking so much. We can't shut him up. <laughs> <laughs> and he graduated college. Sorry, he graduated high school. Now it's just a couple years ago, and he he definitely lets you know what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he wants. And it wasn't something that that people expected from him. But because of my experiences with my own personal journey with my siblings, I wasn't going to limit him with okay, this is as much as you can go. Now let's see how far you can go. Let's just see. And man, he just totally outcreated all of the expectations. It's been really beautiful. And they still keep in touch, which I really am grateful for. Wow. That that is that's remarkable. That's an wow, congratulations on that. And that's remarkable. And like, was he almost nonverbal to start, or was he a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. He was saying like one or two words every once in a while. It wasn't even like consistently one or two words. So he really went from maybe talking like 20% of the day to like and really you having to guess and really rely on his body to tell you what he wanted or like a certain schedule for, okay, he's probably hungry now and he might need to go to the bathroom now. And instead he was finally able to use his words and say it. And he really loved um, be asking questions like, oh, and what else is possible? And how does it get any better than this? And he would be like, he would perk up because it was, it's these questions that, well, any of us can play around with that actually open us up to more. And so he, I think he perceived the energy of the questions and then started to show up more and was more in the world with us to demonstrate all the things that he knew. And he knows so much. That's incredible. That's true. That's, that is really something to be proud of. I've, I've had a long sort of first working relationship and now is more like a family relationship with a, with a wonderful autistic lady who she was a teenager when I met her, but she's like in her, you know, mid late twenties now. Um, but you know, she's very nonverbal. And so, but she's worked her, she's worked and we've worked and her mom especially has worked with her to, you know, communicate a lot of things, but that's like, you know, that's, that's incredible. 
that's truly amazing. And that, that in itself could be a whole, a whole niche because there's so many, but, but like, I love that you just went with like, what is possible? And I recognize those questions. I forgot about that question. Like what else is, what else is possible here? How, like, how does it get any better than this? I remember that one. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, I learned those when I was getting trained with access consciousness, which I, which I had, well, used to be a certified access consciousness facilitator. I've since chosen to do something different with my business, but I still very much use those tools and value them in addition to a bunch of other modalities and tools that we talked about, like Tantra and Reiki and shamanism. And and it's just, there's a lot of body processes and energetic flows that we can do that invite both us and others to, to more. Yeah, I love it. I remember actually one time when I was really into that, I did some access consciousness training as well with the bars and like the access bars and stuff. This was years ago. But when I, I remember one time I got a, a parking ticket and I was like, how does this get any better than this? Like instead of, you know, taking the ticket. And then uh, I don't know what happened, but I got that ticket cleared in like two minutes. I just picked them up. I called them and I was like, boom. And yeah, I forgot. I'm going to start using that one again. I, I forgot about that one, but it's such a good one. And it's so it is like what you just spoke to there is something that happens a lot with people. Like um, it's almost a type of projection, right? It's like when enough people believe something to be true about somebody or something like that becomes the case. And sometimes that works in people's favor. Like if they see them in a positive light and then sometimes like in the case of this boy, you know, it was maybe hindering him having all of these people and these projections, you know, especially with people on the autism spectrum, I find them to be generally very, um, you know, highly sensitive and very aware, even if they're not, even if they're nonverbal, they're still incredibly aware. It's like, they know, they know everything that's going on. It's just for whatever reason and different reasons for everyone. Of course, they're not always able to communicate back. So that is incredible. Yeah. And it's not always verbal. I mean, for me, I would have been totally fine if he didn't speak verbally as long as he was frustrated less because he was starting to get violent and so upset with people not getting what he was trying to sell them and not getting what he was communicating. If he, if it didn't affect him in a mental and emotional level to that extent, but he had another way to communicate, like through an augmentative communication device or some other type of way, sign language, whatever, I was willing to try it all as long as he felt heard and seen and he felt like there was a way for him to have a voice in the world that would be acknowledged and respected. And and so as, as soon as I got out of the way of whatever I had as an agenda, and I was just like, what do you want? What's going to work for you? And let's get that going faster. Then he showed up more and he he thrived. Wow, that that is a really, truly incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's what I think all the time about um, the girl that I'm that I'm very close with as well, as I know, because I've in my training, that's what I learned is that oftentimes people on the spectrum, they understand everything and they're just not able to reply. And I've thought so many times about how incredibly frustrating that must be. And then having people talk down to you all the time and having people talk to you like you're a, you know, a three-year-old when you probably have the mental capacity of a teenager or an adult, but it's like, you just don't have that ability to, to reply. So that's, um, that's actually remarkable and that you were able to help him through that. So thank you. There's thank so many ways that it can show up. And, you know, thank you for asking for this because it's it's one of those things that I, I think it's really important for people. It's not really about autism. It's not really about someone that has communication delays or, or learning disabilities or anything like that. It's really this idea of one of the biggest gifts you can give to yourself is to continually look at what's actually possible that uniquely for you and what's your way of being with that instead of trying to communicate or learn or express yourself or 
or demonstrate your love in any other way than what other people have told you to. Like you can actually do it your own unique way. And that's valid. Yeah, it's very, it is valid. And it's it's actually necessary. That's a part of what this work is all about. As far as I'm concerned is breaking all that conditioning and then learning to express ourselves in the way that works for us, of course, you know, like, and, and not because so many of us have been programmed and we do think like, oh, I, I should say this, or I have to say this. And then it's kind of stopping and, and doing that check-in of like, well, wait, is that actually how I feel? Is that actually what I want to say? But it's really interesting because some people don't even know that they have that choice. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, it's one of the things that I've been really looking at when I've been, I've been having a lot of discussions lately around codependence and it's so pervasive. And that's one of those things, those people pleasing, those considering of everyone else's thoughts, everyone else's values or expectations beyond what you know to be true for yourself or what you'd like to create as your life and for yourself. That's that's a very like subtle, sneaky way that codependence can start and then start trickling out into all these different areas of your life. And a lot of people think that it's only in romantic relationships or only with family and it can show up in so many different ways. And so if you actually look at, well, what's my unique voice with this and how can I develop this and explore it and acknowledge it, like really honor that voice, man, what would the world be like if I actually had my voice here? Well, and I, I think it's important. Like, I think as far as even like, I think about this all the time, because I feel like we're in this phase of humanity where so many of us are coming into the heart. Right. And that's what's happening for a lot of people right now is people are having these awakenings and it's very much, you know, this awakening of the heart. And, you know, the, when we awaken our heart, this changes everything. But I always feel like the voice, it sits above the heart. Right. So it's 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 interesting because this is I've been saying this for a while. This is just my own thing. But I'm like, OK, humanity's been in like the one, two, three, like the chakras, you know, like the lower kind of like the survival, the desire, the power and control. But we're trying to get up here. Right. And we're trying to get into the heart. But then what do you get when you move above the heart? And the first thing that sits above the heart is the voice. Right. So it's almost like when we when we find our voice there is this element to it where we have to have everything below it we're try anyway like to try to find some balance there so it's like we feel secure we feel open in our creativity we feel empowered we feel open and there then we can speak you know and it's it's so interesting because so many of us are are so blocked and like even myself like i say this all the time i'm like you know we teach what we have to work on i am very open in some ways and i still find myself hesitating about things not wanting to say things it's like the people pleaser in me all of that kind of stuff like i don't want to rock the boat because i like peace but yet i'm like oh somebody's got to say this here you know so i find like it's this real dance and i don't I don't find like there's any end point to it. I feel like it's constantly evolving, you know, like it's it's like anything. It's like any kind of work. It's like with the voice, you have to keep it's it's a moment by moment thing. I think we talked about this the other day. It's just even like knowing when is the right time to say something, when is the right time to be silent. When it, and this is this is not a cut and dry. This is not a black and white teaching. It's going to be it's going to be situational, right? Mm-hmm. And person to person. And it's funny. I love that that imagery of the different like the heart and then the voice and And in that same idea, really embracing your voice can also tap into what's above that, which is like the divine and your access to the mysteries of the universe and to your past lives, if you believe in past lives or to your inner knowing, like all of these different things, it facilitates your healing of grief, of loss, of, of all of that that's in the heart and also opens you up to more love, opens you up to more receiving. You can use the language and your voice for that. And it also can be you tapping into the unseen, 
to tapping into the things that all of us are aware of in different degrees that is not quite this concrete thing you can hold on to, but that is absolutely there and that is waiting to contribute to us, that is actually asking for us to ask to facilitate. When we ask what else is possible, when we ask, you know, how does it get any better? When we ask what's my unique way of being with this, all these different things, we're asking our divine selves, our inner knowing for that, our bodies in contribution to that too. And so when all of these can connect so that it's not this separate things like I was doing with my with my business, I, I compartmentalize it more and more. I'm letting them all flow together. And that's one of the things I learned and I loved about Tantra too, is that it is about you awakening all these different things and how you let all these energies flow between the two and contribute instead of having things be really separate and, and then create some stagnation. Um, you want that all to flow. So you have energy. So you have that clarity and more ease. Yeah. And actually it's interesting when you just talked about like going up here and like what's unseen and what's hidden. The first sort of thing that came to me is like, you know, people that are manipulative, they will doubt the intuitive knowing. And that's where you have to be really strong because when you have an intuitive knowing, you have to be strong in it because there's no evidence to back it up. Right. It's like, I got no evidence. I just have a feeling, right. I just, I just have this knowing that like, maybe this isn't right. So it is really important, you know, with the, I mean, with everything, of course, but there really is something about the voice. And I feel like collectively we have so many wounds, you know, and the wounds are and this is something that I've talked about with a lot of different guests because I've had so many different guests from different cultural backgrounds. But what I sort of found in exploring this work is that every culture has some kind of version of the toss it under the rug thing. You know what I mean? It's like there's things that you talk about and then there's things that you don't talk about. And even in cultures like you coming from like a, you know, like a Puerto Rico and like a more Latina culture, you know, we we, we associate more like the fiery and being like more direct and stuff. And then yet there's other things that may never be talked about. There's other things that are like, well, you know, you can just very freely How dare you talk about that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Where there's there's some more liberation in that culture around maybe getting angry or being fiery, which like in a British culture is like a big no, no. It's like everything's fine. Don't worry. You know, <laughs> This is what I find really interesting. And then a lot of people like I have a lot of friends whose parents were from India. So there's a lot of especially with the women, too. There's a lot of repression there. Like I when I lived in um, when I was studying with my teacher in India, I lived in like a little apartment and there was a store underneath. And the woman who owned the store, she was like, um one of sort of like the, she wasn't, you know, they have like the caste system there. Like, so she, whatever her caste was, was sort of one of the lower ones, like the working class ones. But actually one of the things that she told me was that she's, she's not allowed to look at her husband when he speaks to her and that he, she always has to keep her voice like lower than his. That was like one of the, but it was very ironic because this woman was actually running all the businesses and she could talk to me because she spoke English and her husband did not. So it was very ironic because I'm like, well, actually you're the one here. And she was a very lovely lady. We became great friends and, you know, lovely, you know, we talked all the time, but I was like, isn't this interesting? Like this repression is still there. And yet you're actually the one with the, you know, speaking English obviously opens up a lot more doors for, for, for everyone. Everyone, right so it's very interesting yeah I find that stuff really interesting and one of the the things that I often am asked to speak about in either podcasts or I, I do guest lecturing is on multicultural and multilinguistic considerations around things it's one of the things I'm really passionate about and it I was already really interested in it and then after that first school that I worked in with 44 languages it was like trial by fire I was dunked in and I got to really get a lot of practice navigating those different cultures and expectations and like not assuming that eye, eye contact of a certain kind meant 
what I thought it meant. You know, I was like, what does it mean for you? What does it mean in this culture and, and body distance? And, and if you turn this way or that way and, and clothing and gestures, all these different things I would talk to people about and, and, and practice it like, okay, for you, what does it mean? Okay. How do you ask, or how can you find out what it means for this other person? And if, especially if you don't, if you don't necessarily speak the same language, like how can you do that? Uh, and giving resources to that. I feel, I find that that's really, really interesting. And also it's such an invitation when you are someone that's willing to ask those questions, you then don't assume about even the people that you think have the same culture as you. You just start, you just practice letting go of those assumptions over and over and over again when you're, it's because it's not really only about someone that's from a different culture. It's even like if we, if my, me and my siblings, I have to, we were raised with the same parents, you know, in the same household. And yet how we deal with stress, how we deal with conflict, our interests, all that is different. If they're looking down or not, maybe mean something else to them than it would for me. And I can't assume that. And if I project what my way of being with that at them, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to miss out on what they intend. I'm going to miss out on, on really truly connecting with them and honoring and respecting their journey. And so my, my experiences with, with working with different families and kids from all these different cultures and languages around the world has really then impacted my own personal life and journey and how I interact with people day to day, because I don't then go into being like, oh, well, there, this must mean this, or this must mean that. And like, what I go into be like, what does that mean? Like, what? Mm? And there's more curiosity there, which I think people pick up on and they, they'll give you more leeway. If, if they get that your intentions are to really know them wholly and not just through any particular identity or language or experience um, and, or diagnosis, like with the, in the case of the student I mentioned, we are more than any of those one things. Mm. Yeah, we are. And th th this is all it's it's I, I love that you say this because I was talking about this the other day. And I think we might have briefly touched on this, but I've been thinking about how like now, you know, there's such a push with different languaging and we have to say things a certain way. And some people get really triggered if people don't say things X, Y, Z. But I was thinking, you know, depending on wherever you go in the world, even with English, everyone has a way of speaking English differently, like British people, Australian people, there's people all over the world. They use different words. They use different terminologies. And so I'm like, at what point are we going to account for all this and realize it's not always so literal what people are saying. If somebody speak English as a second language, if they learn English in a different place, or, you know, maybe their vocabulary is just limited, doesn't mean that they're trying to insult somebody or they're trying to, no, it doesn't. And then do we have to have these hard fixed rules around, like, you have to say something like this? Like, I'm more of a person of like, I like openness and all things. And I would guess it sounds like you do too. And just like you said, because when people feel like you're, they're, they're being boxed in, it feels like a control sort of thing. And oftentimes it makes them recoil or it makes them close down. Whereas like you're saying, and it sounds like this is exactly what happened with this boy that you worked with and how this amazing miracle came about was that you gave him, you believed in him and yet you also gave him space so that he could, because I find with, um, especially like with, with people on the autism spectrum, they have, they need that space because they, really they have I their mean, own. Who doesn't need the space who these doesn't? days? After being <laughs> quarantined and closed up and maybe limited by our families or something like that, like we all need benefit from space. And I think that's the gift of working with them is they, I recognize, oh, we have so much in common. You are highlighting in me the things that I maybe had repressed or limited in me and I'm not going to do that to you. 
And so one of the things that is is such a beautiful way of us expressing our own self-love is when we actually be that for ourselves and toward other people, it's more likely, it's not a guarantee, but it's more likely for them to reciprocate because we're embodying that vibration. We're being that vibration and inviting them. Hey, could you dance with me on this? Can we and make that music together? Are we going to go bing, boom, bing, boom and have it be like a really fun, nurturing, respectful interaction? Or should I just look at you through the lens of this certain thing that I know about you or that I think I know about you and then limit this interaction? And then you'll probably do the same things like, okay, is this the dance we're doing instead? We're doing the limit dance. Are we doing the expansive dance the yum dance <laughs> and so that's all it is it's like i there are there definitely have been people i interact with even with what we're talking about you can't force anybody to do anything and if they're really invested in a certain way of being or point of view that's their thing but i find that more times than not when i go in just being like curious and like let's just see what happens and i don't have a projection expectation about them or this interaction or what we can create together it always out it more times than now, it outcreates anything that I could have imagined. It goes beyond my wildest imaginings, and it's so much more fun. It's so I, I learn more that way. And since I'm an avid learner, I'm like, yay, more of this in the world, please. <laughs> well, I actually think what what we're talking about really is actually one of the keys. There's like a few simple things that I can break down that I always think about. I'm like, these things, if people would just do these things, the world would be a different place. And that's one of them. And what's sort of coming to mind is this idea of like, like our biases. And we all have these built in this bias and, and our programming, right? Like most people, unless they've had some sort of like awakening at some point, don't really understand the degree to which we've been programmed since the day we were born on this planet. Like you cannot escape it. Even if you had the most open-minded parents in the world, you still, the conditioning is everywhere from the television to the school system to everywhere, you know, but once we have some sort of awakening or we start down the road of higher consciousness, we start to understand that these are all just, they're, they're just programs and that we have a choice to, you know, create something new. And so a lot of our, our, our biases come in. And so we make these assumptions about people. And instead, if we could just do what you're talking about and just kind of open up and be kind of like curious. And I love that you, you use the word curious because that's, I love that word. Cause even the energy of it just feels like, hmm, like curious, like, it's just like, we're just curious about something. Like, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't know. Like, I just, I find human beings quite interesting and, and maddening sometimes, like how humans will argue about things with you that they know nothing about just for the sake of, you know, and it's like, wow, do people really do this? But we do. I mean, I think we all do it to a point, hopefully, unless we grow out of it, but almost like some of these things that we do with people is a form of that, right? It's like, we make assumptions about people based on so many different factors, right? And we do it immediately from the moment that we start interacting with somebody very subconsciously, we're, we're creating all these assessments of them. So to really, to really be open. And I mean, even just your story about what this did for this boy, I mean, this is just remarkable. You don't hear a lot of stories. You hear the odd one, but they really are these miracle stories and they're few and far between, especially with a verbal, like a non-verbal. And at that age too, that's because yeah. I've heard more about younger kids because oftentimes, you know what I mean? But once, you know, that's almost, he's almost an adult by this point if he's in his yes. second last year of high school he's probably what 15 16 years old mm -hmm. so that's that is that is incredibly remarkable and I feel like you got yeah and for me it's really not rare that's the thing that I think that we can actually have more miracles show up and more of the unexpected that's beautifully unexpected show up the more we have this curiosity the more we have this whimsy and we 
and we're willing to be uncomfortable with ourselves. Like I've done the work, like you mentioned, of really looking at my biases and my prejudices and being like, oh, I have that. And oh, this came from my family. And oh, I used to think this way. Do I still want to think that way? And really doing that self-assessment and looking at where you may be coming from that is either a, a, a chosen self-adversity or where you actually want to explore and open up more. It, you get to decide how open you are with any particular person, any particular situation, any given moment. But this is what's been such a gift from the work with the families and the children I've been is, is through my interactions with them because they don't judge me, because they are so open, even with all the, the stuff that's been thrown and propelled at them, they highlighted me, oh, what? where else can I actually let go of this thing that's like a clutch or an anchor or something that is really actually not true? All these lies that that just circulate that we have around, like you mentioned, the biases, because I think that is the more of them we let go of, we be, we identify, we, we're like, we look at and we ask questions around and the ones that don't serve us, we let go of it allows for that openness even more. And I think the more people that do that, the more love that will be in the world, the more we can connect and create something really different together. Well, yeah, and what, what comes to mind when you say that is that we are all truly unique. And again, when we start categorizing people, it's like we might, and we people do this all the time. They make these unconscious assumptions. It's like, oh, you're from Puerto Rico? I knew somebody from Puerto Rico and they did this, 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 you know, and this is how all of these biases yeah. come into play. It's like, oh, you, you know what I mean? You're, you must be blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah like, like you're a vegetarian. <laughs> well, I knew a vegetarian and they were blah, blah, blah. Like all of these things that people, you know, and it does come from, from, yeah, just from, from all of these uh, biases. So it's so interesting, but what's, I don't know what I'm hearing as you're talking, just like in, in more like in spirit is like, they're saying the word safe and that one of your gifts is that you really make people feel safe so that they're, they're able to, you make them feel safe so that they're able to take those leaps outside of um, what feels comfortable to them. Because I know, especially with like people on the spectrum, they, that's why they, they have to have certain things a certain way, right? It's like their environment has to be like the girl that I work with. It's like, if we're sitting on a table and there's things on the table, if I move them, she just moves them right back. Cause they, they can't be there. No, they, this has to be there. Like this cup has to be here and this has to be here, but that's also what makes them feel safe as well. So that's, it, it's so beautiful. Um, do you, so You're are you able- cry with that? I hadn't actually thought of myself that way. And yet it feels true when you say it. And I really hope so. Cause I think part of what led me to this work in addition to what my siblings experience and what our family experienced when we were growing up is I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel safe to fully be myself and express myself. I was told there were so many things that I was not going to be able to do from, you know, live on this planet to have a business, to live on my own, to just so many different things. And to, I'd like to empower people and facilitate a haven for people, to create a haven for people so that they feel like what they really truly desire as a part of their lives can show up. Um, in whatever way they wanted to show up. I just love that. I mean, what what I just heard you saying, which is like so profound, is almost like like your gift is what you didn't have or what you would you were told that you would never have. And I just love that because I think it's such a beautiful example of, you know, so many of us when we're going through things and maybe we have hard times in life and we say, why, 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 like, why does it happen? And then later on in life, it, you know, it makes sense why, you know, because we choose or, you know, that adversity is there to help us grow and learn. And it's like, it becomes our gift, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. It definitely all the things that I've experienced, good, bad, ugly, awesome have led me to here. And as much as a lot of those moments were horrific or beyond challenging or just, I was definitely asking why <laughs> now I, on the other side of it, you know, hindsight's 2020 on the other side of it, I get that it allows me to then sprinkle those breadcrumbs for people that are in the thick of it still, or maybe in the middle of that transition. And they can see that not just that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but that more of them and the life that they really would like to have is on the other side. Um, but I certainly didn't have that. And in the, to the depth and breadth that I would have liked it. And I'd love for more and more people to have a place where in the world that even if it's a little corner that they feel like I can fully be me here. Hmm. That's so important because so many of us feel like it's not. And I, again, I feel like this is one of the messages that we're all told from society is like that we're, it's, it's not okay to be me. Like we have to be something else or we have to be. And then it's just become so clear. I mean, I've always known this, but now more than ever, it's like more clear. It's like, no, actually our job is to be ourselves, right? Because nobody can be you except for you and nobody can be me. And whatever that, that essence is, that's our medicine, right? So it's like, if, and it's almost like the system knows that, right? So that's why the system tries to like program everybody and take us and make us believe that we have to be these, like, you know, we have to do like X, Y, Z and tick all these boxes when that, that may or may not be what we're, we're here to do. Right. So I feel like the more of us that, um, kind of, I don't know if it's defy that or just come out of it, you know, it's like, we're doing everyone a big favor because when you walk in that energy, then other people sense it and that it becomes like a form of medicine in itself. Right. They're like, that's possible. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> some of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that you said that it's our own medicine. I think that's a really beautiful way of putting it. Um, and on that vein, like when we are not really honoring ourselves and our voice and loving on ourselves, we're doing the opposite of giving ourselves that medicine. And that's, I think, what a lot of people are also struggling with right now. I work with a lot of people that have experienced abuse and have been suicidal. And given my own journey with that, you know, I, I hope that I'm inviting them to different possibility. And with that, one of the things that they that we work on together is for them to recognize that under whatever events that have happened to them, they're still there. They're there. We might have kept to like uncover that a little bit more, maybe water it and and nurture it to get it to grow and develop again. And, and it might be in a different way than has ever showed up before. And that's okay. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, that sort of reminds me of some of the teachings around like Eastern consciousness, you know, just like how we're like that the, the self is ever present, you know, that the true self, the divine self is always there. But then what happens is like we go through life and we have all these experiences and especially traumatic experiences, you know, they can very much, um, they they can change us but then like i know it sounds like you've been through a lot i've been through a lot too and it's very interesting but then something else emerges right and it's like it's still you it's still the same person but but it's different you know and i think a lot of us who are in the position of being helpers we've gone through a lot of things in order to you know to help people because i think it would be pretty challenging to to really be of service high service to i mean we can always lend a listening ear but sometimes when you go through these things then you have a better understanding of them and then people feel that right people feel that because they're like oh okay i get it like maybe it's not the same situation but it's like they they feel that you've been through something you know they, they feel that you understand them in that space right and it doesn't have to be exactly the same but if it resonates and it's like you get it to a degree in whatever way you can that 
people just want to be seen and heard. They just want to feel like you're getting them. And I hope that I'm doing that for people. I think you are. And I'm curious, like, do you work mostly with people in person or can you work with people remotely as well? I actually mostly do virtual and I have even before 2020, I was doing that for years um, because I work with people all over the world. I find that it's really nice and versatile. And I, since I travel, I can take my clients with me and my kiddos and families with me. And I turn the camera around. I turn the, the laptop around. I'm like, look what's outside my window. And I have it be a part of the discussion and a part of what we work on. And it plants seeds. I, I, what I've been told is that it plants seeds in them feeling that they can travel and they can explore and they can go out of their comfort zone and, and have these different adventures that they wouldn't otherwise consider. Uh, so all of my work, be it the speech language pathology work, the therapeutic energy work, coaching is virtually. And then every once in a while, somebody will come and I'll be like, OK, we'll, we'll work in person and we can do that. But I want to make sure that if I say that I'll be there, that I can be there. And so it makes it easier for me to do that virtually, because no matter where I'm at in the world, I can have their back. Right. No, that's beautiful. Cause I think already, I, I, I think I have a feeling some people are going to listen to this, especially, I mean, the story just about the boy alone is really, really very remarkable. Um, and I think it just gives so much hope, not just for him, but like, again, what if that was possible? What else is possible? What if that was possible, not just for him, but for a whole bunch more people who are like him. And I, I believe it is possible. And I believe it's like, it's funny. My doctor told me this once my doctors, this, I, I mean, I barely go see my doctor because I'm more of like a holistic kind of person, but you know, like I still have a doctor and I've, she's been my doctor since I was 18. And one of the things she told me is that when she trains the first year medical students, she's like, you know, I always tell them that your job as a doctor is really to, to, to hold the faith for them as the patient, because she's like, if I believe that you're going to be okay, if I believe that you can heal, then you're going to heal. And she's like, I always teach the first year students that. And I said to her, that's so amazing that you have an understanding of this because a lot of doctors don't like, I know so many people who have been given like a literal, like a death sentence and it wasn't even true. You know, they're fine. You know, decades later, they're still alive. They're still kicking. So there's so the much for my siblings. That's absolutely the case. And I think that's really powerful. And I think that that's why it's so important for people who are like impacting so many people's lives, doctors, nurses, teachers, you know, all these mentors, they need to have these tools that we're talking about and this perspective so that they recognize the power of their influence and really embrace it in a way that's more expansive and honoring of the people that they're interacting with. Absolutely. Because when we, you know, when we're holding that space for somebody else, it's like everything is possible. So, wow, this has been such an amazing, great conversation. Very, very inspiring. So can you tell people um, where, where can they find you if they want to know more about what you're doing and, and your offerings? Yeah, well, um, I have a bunch of different e-books e so that you can get. There's a lot of complimentary books on my website, which is empoweringlightlanguage.com. My business is Empowering Light Language, LLC. And I'm also on Facebook. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I'm on like SoundCloud and things like that. And I have a, a podcast called Choosing a Different Future with CDs. And it's all about, we talk about different resources and tools. And we have guests on every couple of weeks where we talk about how we can choose something beyond what's been projected and expected of us. A lot of what we've been talking about here is just in all these different realms from health and business and relationships, you name it. And so it's been really, really fun to to explore these different topics. And I, I welcome anyone who'd like to reach out. They can email me as well at empoweringlightlanguage at gmail.com. Um, find me through social media. I'm really, I respond really quickly. 
And even if it's a quick little question of our curiosity about resources, but I really try to make some a lot of free content in addition to the programs that I have, because not everyone has a different budget. And yet, whatever your budget is, there are ways where you can open a door to something more for yourself and for your family. Yes, absolutely. I'm of the same. I'm of the same mentality and the same. There's some, there's something to learn at every level, and you don't. I think sometimes people get put off by things, and they think I can't afford that or I can't do that. But there's always, you know, even just from listening to a talk like this, this is where I love. I love. I'm sure you do as well. But like one of the reasons I love hosting this podcast is because I learn something from you know every guest that every time I, I learn something new every time. So it's like you know, but you know, I'm also an avid learner. Maybe not in the <clears throat> intellectual way so much, but it's like I enjoy learning. I crave learning. I, I want to learn new things. And I recognize um, that that's not, everybody's not like that. You know, going back to this idea of a lot of people, they think they know everything already. They're not open to new information or new ideas. And this to me is just like, wow, like there's what, 8 billion people now on this planet. There's like so many billions of different ways of doing things. And that's just like we talked about. It feels like the key is, is in that, in that openness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed our discussion. And, you know, I, I agree with you that that not everyone have has the same way of being with with paying for things. And there's, there's different you have to meet people where they're at. And I also recently instituted a scholarship fund because some of my 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 clients that are more affluent would like to pay it for. They they've been, I've been really fortunate that they value what I'm doing, what I'm trying to create in the world. And so they put they pay a little bit extra that I then put in a scholarship fund to offset some of the costs for those that don't have the same level of socioeconomic resources. Oh, I love that. That's that's amazing. I I, I absolutely love that. I've seen it's that. again a way that we can all contribute to each other, and I love that that my clients feel like they can do that. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I think I think that's also another key to um, creating change in the world is everybody recognizing like where they have something to give some people, it's money, some people, it's time sometimes. So if everybody just gives a little, we can just keep that. Because um, I don't know, just like, a, for to me, I'm like, wow, a world full of healed people, like, nobody's ever fully healed, right? Like, we're all on our journey. But there's a difference between people who are like, already walking that path, or making a conscious intention every day to like, do their best and be their best and you know do the the right thing whatever that is you know for them in that moment and and the people who are just you know not so the more of us that choose that that path of higher consciousness and awareness is just um it's just only a matter of time i feel like before that tipping point happens and we we do live in a very different world so and i hope that comes sooner than later Me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why we're doing this. So I'm so grateful that we, I loved our chat today. Thank you so much, everyone. Siris Rivas. I hope I said it right. Siris. Siris. It's such a beautiful name. <laughs> beautiful woman. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Peace. <laughs>